Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is encouraged to you to read Colossians over and over again. Ephesians is, we call it a book in the Bible, but it's a letter and it's pretty short. It's just a couple of pages. So I would encourage you every week this summer, read Ephesians. Read it one time, get it into your heart, get it into your soul so that you can begin to see what it is that we're going to be talking about each week. So that's just sort of a practical note I would love to see everyone do. Just read it every week. It doesn't take that long. You can do it in one setting. It'll be fantastic. So uh, another sort of bit of housekeeping on this series. Uh, you heard about the marriage life group that we're going to have. I want you to know you were invited every week, no matter what stage of life you're in. Uh, you don't have to come every single week. You can hit whenever. You... Uh, so whenever you think of that title, obviously you think about like the scars on your body. Like you, probably all of us in here uh, have some scars. Uh, and I begin to think about mine. I don't have any like battle scars except for versus inanimate objects. Uh, I guess if you classify that as a battle, then yes, I have a few. And and one of my favorite ones uh, is on my finger. And you can't see it unless you get really close because it's been a long time. Uh, but at one point in my life, I cut my finger really bad, like all the way, like not to the bone, but it was really bad, okay? And uh, it was really bad. I need to tell you like this story because I was 14 years old. And it was a dramatic day in my life. It really was. Uh, and so my dad, many of you know, my dad has leukemia, and he's had it for a long time. Well, this event happened uh, right before we knew what was wrong with my dad. And so uh, he was sick, and it came to the point that we needed to go to the emergency room. Okay, we didn't know what was going on with my dad, but on this day, uh, it looked really bad. And so my mom and everyone is rushing around the house trying to like, get ready. And my mom is basically like, to me and my sisters, get yourselves ready or be left. You know, this is like sort of the, the moment that my mom is in. And so we're like running around trying to get ready. And this, for whatever reason, like I'm 14 years old, so my brain is not developed quite right yet. Uh, and so I like don't think clearly. And I decided that this was the moment to take care of some fashion sense in my life and to, to do some things that were necessary. So I had a new pair of jeans. Now, where I lived at this time in my life, uh, it was not cool to have your jeans like bunched up around your shoe. What you needed was you needed your jeans to fall cleanly around your foot. But it wasn't cool to buy the jeans that fit around your foot. It was cool to buy the jeans that bunched up and then cut them so that they sort of flapped open over your shoe. I know, it doesn't make any sense, but this is what I thought was the most important thing. And so we're getting ready to go to the hospital. I have a new pair of jeans. It's time to take care of this right now. And so I pull out like my knife, uh, my pocket knife, but my pocket knife is dull because I'm 14 and I don't take care of anything in my life. And so I am starting to cut my jeans, but it's not going very fast. And then I have this moment of being a good son. And I realize, wow, my dad is really sick. I need to hurry up. I need a sharper knife. And so I decided to go get a sharper knife. And I remember that I have this like military grade knife from Nepal sitting on my shelf, right? And so I go up there and I'm like, you know, that'll do it. That'll do it real quick. So I go up to my shelf, I grab it and I begin to cut. And mind you, the pants are on my body, okay? So luckily I didn't like cut my Achilles tendon or something, but I'm going to cut it. And sure enough, it's sharp. I found out the hard way and I just like slice through my finger. And so here we are. My mom is stressed to the max. I don't know if I've ever like fully apologized. So sorry, mom. Uh, and so I, here I go. I run to the bathroom. I mean, like blood gushing from my finger. Sorry if you're squeamy. Like it's just pouring in the sink. And so I'm doing this. My mom comes in. She's stressed out. And she said, you're going too. Like you're going to get stitches and just get in the car. And so I like have a rag on my finger. And it's like a 30 minute drive to the hospital. And it dawns on me that if I'll be quiet, 
My mom is far more concerned about my dad. I probably won't have to get stitches. And so for the whole night, I sit in this emergency room, like the irony, right? And I'm like bleeding and I'm like sitting in the emergency room. No one pay attention to me. And I succeed. And no one paid attention to me and my mom completely forgot. And so the next day she wakes up and she's like sort of mad at me. She's like, all right, I'm taking you to the doctor. And so I have to go and get it glued because they can't stitch it together. And I have this scar on my finger. And that's, that's my battle scar. So it's not that great, but uh, you know, hey, this is what 14-year-olds do, and it's fantastic. All right, so, but the reality is that some of you in here might have real battle scars, right? We have people in here who have served in the military. Maybe you've had different issues in your life. We have uh, people who have other battle scars, maybe because you got into a fight or something happened to you, and you have like a physical scar in your body. And every scar has a story, Right? And some of them are funny, like what I just told you, and some of them are deeply sad, some of them are heroic, right? But every scar has some story attached to it, and it sort of means something, right? Because it's changed you. Like it's literally changed who you are in some way. So every scar has a story. But there's another factor in here, right? Many of us don't just have physical scars, but we have emotional, mental, and spiritual scars, right? And, and what's more is those are harder to heal at times. And in fact, some of us walk into church every week and we have emotional, mental, and spiritual wounds that actually aren't scars yet. Right? So you walk in and you're hurt still. Like there's a part of you that's sort of ripped open still and it's never quite healed. And so all it takes is the wrong word in a conversation. All it takes is the wrong topic on a TV show and you're in tears or you're angry and mad and you just never know what exactly is going to touch you in that wound because it's not yet a scar and you end up, you actually don't want to talk about it, right? You end up sort of like me, sitting in the hospital, like holding it, hoping that no one presses on that wound, right? But here's the deal. We need to move past that. We need to move from people with emotional, spiritual, and mental wounds to people who maybe have scars, but the scars are for the glory of God. And so this is the question that we're asking this morning is how do we go from open wounds to battle scars, how do we go from things in our life that we don't want to talk about to things in our life that we can use for the glory of God? This is the question that we face. You see, we walk in on days like today, and some of us, our marriages are not doing well. We come in, and our marriage has a deep wound in it, and we hesitate to talk about it because we know that that wound is exactly the wrong place to press. It'll create a result that we don't want. Some of us, we have family relationships that are broken after decades, right? Where we still don't want to talk to that person or see that person because it's too painful. And this is still a wound that's open. And how do we get that to become a scar? And then, and then here's the reality, right? So we're in a church that now has two services, and this is a potential problem that could happen. There might be a conflict in this church, and you go to the other service, right? There might be a conflict in this church, and maybe you quit coming to church, so how do we move as that as a community where maybe there's open wounds, maybe there's some conflict even between us? How do we move beyond this as something that divides us and moves us away from each other to something that unites us and actually draws people closer to God through our church? This is the question that we have to ask this morning, and hopefully this is what we'll find in Ephesians. So we're starting this series on Ephesians, and you could point to a lot of different passages in the Bible that talk about God's healing of scars in our life, but I think Ephesians is a wonderful book. In many ways, it's the most generic book in the New Testament. Now, what I mean generic, I don't mean not specific, like Paul has plenty of specific things to say, but I mean it's like the least occasional. 
There's another letter in the New Testament called Philemon, where Paul is writing to a guy named Philemon about another guy named Onesimus. And Philemon is like a slave owner, and Onesimus was a slave who ran away. And Paul says, I want you to take him back. Philemon, I want you to take Onesimus back, but I don't want you to take him back as a slave. I want you to take him back as a brother in Christ. And it's this beautiful message, but it's like we get to listen into a conversation between other people, and through that we hear the gospel, and we see the love of God. And so there's different letters throughout the New Testament that to differing degrees have some specific occasions that are attached to it. And we get to listen in to Paul and people and begin to hear what God's doing to us. But Ephesians, it seems pretty clear that from the beginning, Paul knew that this letter would get around and that churches all over the place would read it. And so he wrote it in a way that could apply to each person. And so in a very cool way for us, we get to come to Ephesians as a church and it's like 2,000 years later, Paul is writing to us. And we have less to sort of wade through because Paul is just writing some beautiful message about the gospel that we can get. So this is where we're at. And Ephesians begins much the way that Paul's letters usually do with these huge theological themes and talking about how amazing our God is and what he's done in Jesus Christ. And then at some point in the letter, he switches and he begins to tell you how what he's just said impacts your daily life. And so it begins to talk about things that it should mean for your family, things that it should mean for your relationships with people uh, in your extended family or in the church, relationships with people even through your business and other things like that. Paul begins to unpack that. He does the same thing in Ephesians, really big theological themes. He switches and begins to talk about the ways that it works out in our daily life. And then Ephesians ends with sort of this iconic image of the Christian dressed in battle gear. He's got the armor of God on. This is sort of where it ends. But when you have armor on, there's a chance that you're going to get some scars. When you're dressed for battle, there's a chance that things are going to get tough. So the question for us is, as we as a church put on the armor of God, as we do what it is that God's called us to do, how do we withstand different attacks and wounds, and how do they become battle scars that glorify God? So that's the question that we're talking about today. And I think that this opening passage in Ephesians is really helpful for us. Paul begins this letter with a blessing. And in fact, it's actually one really long run-on sentence. Okay, now your English version will have different like sentence divisions. But like in the Greek, Paul is like just blessing God and he's like going so crazy that he never like stops to put a sentence, like a, a period down. And so it sort of makes for this difficult thing and every English teacher like wants to slap him on the wrist with a ruler and say, that's not how you do it. But he's like, hey, when you're praising God, you know, sentences don't matter so much. And so he's beginning to do this. And so it's this really long and beautiful passage, blessing our God for what he has done for us. And I think that the reason this letter starts here and ends with the image of a Christian in battle array is that Paul knows that for our open wounds to become battle scars, we have to have the right focus. And our focus has to be on God, our Savior. And so that wherever you're at this morning, whatever you walk in with, whatever wound is still open in your life, Paul wants to begin this letter of Ephesians by lifting your eyes up. And saying, look to God and Jesus Christ and be healed. So we're going to unpack that this morning. This is the big idea. This is what I want you to walk away with if you don't hear anything else. Our open wounds become battle scars by God's generous plan in Jesus. 
Now, this is a bit of a long main point, but Paul wrote a long run-on sentence, so I can do it. It's okay. Uh, Open wounds become battle scars by God's generous plan in Jesus. And I want to unpack that this morning for you a little bit. So here's the first thing I think you need to recognize about this. No matter what wounds you have in your life, God has planned for your healing from the beginning. No matter what you walk in with today, God has planned to heal you from the beginning. And here's what's more about that. Not from the beginning of when the wound happened. Not from the beginning of today. Not from the beginning of your life. Paul wants you to know that God has planned for your healing from the beginning of time. From the very beginning of time, God has planned to heal our wounds. And this is what Paul says. So this morning, I have done something. Rather than read this really long sentence, I want to actually just point some things out to you. So we're going to pull this passage up, and I want you to see how active your God is. I've underlined it for you. It's a little small, but it says, God is the one who has blessed us. He chose us. He predestined us. It's his pleasure and will. He has freely given. He lavished on us. He made known to us. He purposed. It's all according to his plan, his will, and ultimately we're God's possession. Here we are, 14 verses, one sentence, and time and time again, Paul says, it is all due to our God who is active in our lives. Here's the deal. This is the transformational, revolutionary truth of Christianity. We do not serve a God who sits back and waits for us. We serve a God who pursues us, who is active in our redemption, who is active in our healing. So wherever you're at this morning, whatever you bring in, the reality is God is pursuing you. God is pursuing you for your healing. God is not surprised by the baggage we carry. God is not surprised by the wounds we hold. You read the early chapters of Genesis and you see Cain and Adam and Eve and you see really quickly things fall apart. And God asks questions, right? He's like, what did you do? What happened? The blood cries out to me. And yet you never get this sense when you read it that God doesn't know, right? Like you get this sense that like, it's more like God is treating them like I treat Emma, my three-year-old. And She's like taking a toy and, and Blair is crying, my, my one-year-old. And I say, what's happened? I know what happened. Her thought process is not that complicated, right? I know that she took the toy and Blair was holding on to the toy. So she hit Blair to get the toy. Like it really is like that simple. And I think that's the way that sort of God is with Adam and Eve and Cain in these opening chapters. What happened? I know, I know what happened. And it's the way he is with us. He's never shocked by the baggage that we have. He's never shocked by the wounds that have been committed against you or the wounds that you've committed against someone else. God's not shocked by that. And you see, again, in Genesis, from the very moment this wound happens, God's plan goes into action, right? He's giving the punishment for Adam and Eve, and in the punishment is a prophecy. Like, in the punishment is the promise that one will come who will crush the serpent's head. And then he's dealing with Cain and he's meeting out the punishment for Cain. And Cain says, this is too great for me. And God says, I'm gonna actually put a scar on you, a mark on you that will keep you alive. No one will kill you. God plans for your healing from the very beginning. God planned for the healing of our world from the very beginning. I think the second thing that we need to catch from Paul here in this passage, and this is incredibly important, and if you've ever been to Sunday school, This is your moment. God's plan to heal you 
is in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the plan. In Jesus, through Jesus. Let's look at this passage. And again, remember, this is like one sentence. Let's look at this passage together. In Christ, in him, through Jesus Christ, in the one he loves, his blood, in Christ, under Christ, in him, in Christ, in Christ, in him. 14 verses, one sentence, 11 times Paul reminds us that it's in Christ. 11 times Paul repeatedly comes back and says, this is all in Christ. Your life is in Christ. Your healing is secured in Christ. There's this one particular verse in there that says that God is uniting all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. There was this moment growing up that would happen occasionally where my grandfather was trying to like instill some wisdom into me and it stuck, so this is good. Uh, and so he would try and sort of instill in me the idea that's like, son, go into your marriage with divorce not being an option. It's just not an option. And the way that he would try and convince me to do this would be if there are two Christians that get married and they both submit to Christ their whole life, there is no reason on earth that they cannot have a happy and fulfilled marriage. So at any time that you're not happy in your marriage, you're not fulfilled, one or the other of you is out of line with Christ. Maybe both. That's probably often what it is. And he would teach this to me, and like it was, I was like, wow, I think, that, I think that's true. Well, and, I, and I've certainly found in marriage that any time me and Julia are having issues, it's me that's not in line with Christ. No, like it, it happens, right? You can look in your marriage, right, and you can see that. But it's true in all these other areas in our life, right, that when you're at work and maybe, maybe things aren't going well, the reality is it may be the other person. I mean, it's not even a Christian that has no obligation to be in Christ, but it could be you not submitted to Christ. And I guarantee that the more that we are submitted to Christ, the more that we can handle, the more conflict that we can embrace with God's love and turn it on people's heads so that they actually come to know the love of God, the more that we are submitted to Christ, and then we'll be unified right. under Christ. Amen. And here's the deal. What is a wound if not a division in your body? What is a wound if not an opening, a place where there isn't unity? And here's the thing for us as a church. We are the body of Christ. And anytime there's a conflict, anytime there's a sin in this room between these people, suddenly there's an opening. There's a wound. And it would be naive of us to think that there aren't wounds in our community right now. Words that have been carelessly said, motives that have been wrong. There might be wounds in this room. And here's the reality. The more that you, 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 me, you, 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 are submitted to Christ, the more that those wounds can be healed. The more people in our church that are submitted to Christ, committed to being whatever you want me to do, Lord, the less wounds that we'll have. Yeah, we may have scars, we may have stories to tell, but it'll be for the glory of God, right? This is the power of the gospel, that God wants to take broken parts in our lives and bring it back together. What did Jesus say the world would know as disciples by. It would be by love. And what does Paul command us to? Be unified. To be honest with you, like the thing that has been most difficult in my life for Christianity is not like the problem of evil, it's not the other thing, it's the disunity in the church. This is the question that, I have, that has plagued me the most, is like if we are the body of Christ, why can we not be more unified? And the reality is that it's just sin. 
It's just sin in their lives. It's just in a lack of submission to Christ. And so here's the deal. If we want people outside in this community and the area to come to know Christ who don't know Christ, they need to see a unified church. Yes. They need to see a church that's healed. Yes. Because, because the Bible teaches that that is the thing that draws people on this earth. When they see the body of Christ whole and functioning. So this is what God wants to do for us. He wants us to submit to the Lord, one another, and submit to each other, and in there we'll find healing. And it's all in Christ. Let me move on to this third point that I think is incredibly important for us. God will spare no expense for your healing. God will spare no expense for your healing. So let's look at this passage again real quick and see the ways that it talks about this. It says that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now this means that none of like the fleshly stuff, none of the stuff that's sinful, but everything that is good, everything that is of God is yours in Christ. So that's how the Bible can say that every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ for you and for us. So this is what God is doing. He's blessed us with everything. And then it says he has freely given us. So God's mercy to us, we don't owe him anything back. He's freely given to us. It says it's in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And then what does it say? It said he lavished on us. Like that's a really cool word. Like I don't use lavished a whole lot because not a lot of us live lavish lives. But God lavished his love and his grace on us. God has gone more than you need. More than you need. He's almost been uh, irresponsible with his wealth. He's just given you over and above anything you could ever hope or imagine. God has lavished his love on you. And then this is what's crazy. The passage ends and it says this, the Holy Spirit that we felt this morning amongst us, God says, that's just a deposit. It's just a little bit of a promise that there's more to come. It's a deposit signifying that you have an inheritance in Christ that is far beyond anything that you could possibly imagine. Here's the deal. Uh, When I was growing up, I was in the third grade, and over Christmas break, one of our classmates got horrifically burned. There was a major accident at her house, and 70% of her body was worse than third-degree burns. She lost a lot of limbs. It was like, it was terrible. It took her like a year and a half just to be out of the hospital. You want to know what happened in a nonprofit found out about her story and said, no bills for you. We'll fly you across the country. We'll fly anyone in your family that needs to go wherever. You will never pay for this. It's covered. And there are people all over the country when there are kids who are sick who write the bill and say, it doesn't matter. Whatever the cost, take care of it. And this is what God has done for us. We serve a God who sees us in death, mortally wounded, And he writes the bill. He says, whatever. And this is the beauty of our Savior. He's got the bankroll to back it up. He's got the bankroll to write whatever check is needed above and beyond anything even that is needed. This is our God. He has secured our healing in Christ and he spares no expense. If the worship team will come back up, I want to end pointing out one more thing to you from this passage. In verse 5, Ephesians 1, verse 5. It says that God predestined us to be adopted. God predestined us to be adopted. I I don't know any child 
teenager, anyone who's ever been adopted that didn't have serious emotional, maybe even physical scars. Like, and yet there is not a more beautiful story of the gospel than when someone who owes you nothing comes in and gives you everything. My wife and I, we have some really good friends who live in Texas, and they tried for years to get pregnant. I mean, years. And they couldn't. And so finally, they had sort of exhausted all their options, and they decided that they were going to move and look towards adoption. And they had some friends who had gone through this agency, and this agency sort of had a track record of, like, within six months or so, you have a baby in your home. And so they entered into this agreement with joy, like, finally, the Lord is going to give us a baby. Two years go by. Different things don't work out. Suddenly, there's a bunch of people with this agency, so their numbers go way down. And we watched them, and we walked through, them, through it with them, and we saw the pain of how long it took, even when they thought, you know, God, we're going to do it the way that you want. Maybe you just want us to do this. And it took so long. Then one day, they get a call, because what they didn't know is that there was a businessman who wanted to have some kids, and so they had paid a surrogate to have a baby. It turned out to be twins, and the businessman said, oh, that's okay. And this lady goes into having some complications. Come to find out she's a Christian lady, this surrogate. And she's sort of terribly scared because she knows that the contract that she has with this family means that at any point that he wants to terminate the pregnancy, he can't. And she's legally bound to do it. Except if she gets to that moment in the state where it's no longer legal. So she was just like a day or two away from getting to this week in the period of pregnancy where he couldn't make her abort. And so she stalls and she prays and she asks people to pray. And then she finally makes it to that day and then she notifies everyone of what's going on and she goes into the hospital not long after that. And she has these babies at like 24 weeks. And it's just this really touch and go moment. And that's when our friends get the call. They get the call and they say, there's babies. And they begin to tell them the story and say, we don't know what, what kind of children we're giving to you. We don't know if they'll live. And even if they live, we don't know what kind of life they might have. You, you need to know what you're signing up for. And our friend said, sign us up. So what happens is they had just gone to a new church and this new body of Christ said, we're gonna pay to help you move out there. They were moving from Texas all the way to California for who knows how long. And then his job, the, the man's job says, hey, just work whatever you can. Your pay won't be any different. And then her boss says, hey, she's a counselor. Hey, you can just sort of Skype whenever you get a chance with your patients and he'll pay you whatever we can. So they move across country and they find friends who say, hey, you can move in with us as long as you need to. And so this family who had struggled for adoption, struggled for kids, got to spend four months living in a friend's home off of other people's generosity, off of the body of Christ's wealth. And they began to love and to hold these children every day. These children won the lottery they won the lottery of life because they have these people who love the Lord and said, whatever it takes, you're ours. Those kids just turned a year old recently and they're doing wonderful. 
and the joy in that family, and they're getting ready to adopt again. And so this moment in their life that had deep scars and deep wounds, God is in the process of healing, and kids are being changed because of the love of God. Here's the deal. God is wanting to adopt us. God wants to adopt you. And he knows your wounds. He knows that you're not just maybe going to live, maybe going to have some issues. He knows that you have issues. <laughs> he knows that you have deep wounds. And in fact, he knows that without him, you're dead. That your life, it's over. <laughs> and God says, I want to take you from death and make you mine and bring you to life. That's right. Amen. God wants to call you son and daughter. Yes. So would you stand with me this morning? This is the love of our Savior. He knows full well what he's getting himself into yes. when he comes to you. And there are those of you in this room that you know what wounds you came to Jesus with. And you know the work that he has done in your life. And you could tell of God's glory and goodness in your life and show sometimes the physical stars, scars and often the spiritual and emotional scars in your life. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you wouldn't even classify yourself as a child of God, but I know this, that God, if you're not, wants to adopt you. And if you are, but you've been running, he wants to remind you that you're his. And it doesn't matter what baggage you bring. So if you'll close your eyes with me and bow your heads. God, we come to you this morning and we ask you to be here with us and to remind us of your great love for us, that you pursue us where we are. You see all of our baggage, all of our dirt. You see our wounds. You see the way that we wound others and you want us still. God, so I pray for the person in this room this morning who thinks that they've gone too far, or they're too deeply hurt. God, I pray that your spirit would work in their lives, would bring healing and peace and joy right now. God, for the person who thinks that I could never be loved by the Father, God, I pray that your spirit would break into their life and remind them that you right now want to sign whatever check is necessary to make them yours. And God, may we surrender to that. God, may we surrender to your desire for our lives. If this morning, if that's you, if you're in any of the positions that you need to respond to this, maybe you have a deep wound in your life and you need the love of God to rush in and heal it again so that you can testify of his goodness, we're gonna open the altars and I want you to come forward and I want you to be embraced by our Father who is adopting you.